Well, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I think on each of our annual report Sundays, I'll kind of give a state of the church uh, sermon. So today we're, we're going to deviate from the sermon series that we've been and just talk about uh, things that have to do with our church and where we are at the present time. I am going to preach a a sermon on a passage that I've preached on before here and a passage that you're going to hear me preach many, many times uh, in my tenure here. In fact, years from now when I'm gone and people talk about me, I hope they say, oh, that's that pastor that talked about salt and light, salt and light, salt and light, salt and light. Salt and light. If you do that, I've done my job. <laughs> and if we live it out as a church, I've really done my job. So that's what I'm uh, going to preach about today. So let me read the scripture, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump right in. I'm actually going to begin at verse 13 instead of 14. This is Jesus uh, speaking to a group of people by the Sea of Galilee. It's uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount right at the very beginning. Immediately preceding this is what we know as the Beatitudes, um, which are just some of my favorite verses in the Bible, which uh, Jesus tells us, kind of turns everything upside down and tells us when we really are living life the way we should live it. Uh, And then he moves into this. And also the life that characterizes uh, his followers. Then he says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be Hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. God, we thank you for what um, you are doing in our church, for the new spirit that we sense, for the movement that we're making forward and I pray today as um, preached from this passage, I, I pray that you'd speak to us a new word, that there will be something from this today that we can take away and apply to our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So I had a friend in seminary whose uh, dad was a pastor in Texas at a church, and this happened before uh, my friend was born. So he had never been to this church before, and he was driving through Texas on a road trip, and he was not far from this town where his dad had pastored. So he thought, I'm going to go and find that church and see what it was like, see what it's like. And so he went to this town, and he looked around, he drove through the town, thought he could find it, uh, couldn't find the church. Then he saw this building, it was a museum, and he thought, well, maybe I can go in there. (laughs) And maybe they'll know where First Presbyterian Church is. And as he walked up to that building and started walking up the stairs, he noticed to the right the cornerstone, and it said First Presbyterian Church. What had happened was this church died. It didn't grow so much that it had to find a new building and move somewhere else. 
No, it just died. They had to close the doors. Sadly, and it became a museum, which is kind of a funny thing to become. Sadly, this is happening all over our country. Churches are closing down and becoming community centers and yoga meditation centers. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's great. All kinds of private residences. It's happening all over. It's sad. I remember 20 years ago, a friend of mine was on a committee for our presbytery. I'm Presbyterian, so our presbytery is the group of churches in the Bay Area. And it was called uh, Vital Congregations Committee. They were trying to bring vitality to some of our churches. And he told me, Steve, 20 years, half our churches are going to be closed unless we do something. And I've seen it. They're closing left and right. I have a friend, one of my dearest friends, old college roommate, who's a pastor, works for the San Fernando Presbytery, which, of course, is the Presbytery in the San Fernando Valley. His job is to go into churches and either bring, try to figure out how they can bring renewal and vitalization and start growing again, or how are we going to close down with dignity? What are we going to do with our property? which is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. Interesting that many of these churches that he's helping close, the big question is not only what do we do with our building, which oftentimes is sold to a church that's doing something new, but what do we do with the millions of dollars that we have in endowments and other funds? It's a sad state of affairs. It's hard for me to say this, but honestly, PCC was on that path. I know enough about churches. I mean, my doctorate is in giving churches renewal. And I know enough to know that when I first looked at the information that I got, from the interim pastor nominating committee, I knew this is a dying church. It may not feel like it yet, because there are signs of life, but that was the path we were on, unless we did something, and did something pretty drastic. So my hope is that we get on a new path that it's a new day. And my sense is, this is already happening. But it's going to be a hard road. It's going to be a joyous road. It's going to be an exciting road. But it isn't easy to bring renewal to a church today. I mean, we're kind of in a perfect storm right now. You know, the church in America has a terrible PR uh, problem, right? And for good reason. I mean, there are parts of the Christian church that I am, I'm ashamed to say I'm even a part of the church when I see what they're doing. So we have a PR problem. The church is in decline. Not just PCC, not just the Presbyterian church, but all churches are in decline in the United States. More people 
are becoming nuns. You know what? Not the nun with the hat, the flying ones, if you're old enough to remember that. But the N-O-N-E-S, the people who have no nun, know that when they ask, what religion are you? Last box, none, that group is growing pretty quickly. Not only that, for us, we live in one of the most secular, unchurched, in fact, the Bay Area is the most unchurched county or area in the United States. Very secular, as we all know. And we've just gone through a huge transition. Saying goodbye to a 20-year pastor and going through some difficult times. So all these things together, it's like a perfect storm. But I have hope. I have a lot of hope, actually, that God can do something new in this church and turn it around. And the key is, in this passage today, a couple keys that I want to highlight and talk about this morning. Two things need to happen among many things. First thing that has to happen is we have to remember our identity and our purpose. We have to remember our identity and our purpose, who we are and why we are here. Have you ever thought about that? Why are we here? (laughs) I mean, a church can be here, can be a church for many different reasons. Jesus gives us a very clear reason to be here. Why are we here? Well, Jesus is speaking to a group of people, Sermon on the Mount, probably on a little hill, and he looks at this little group of people, prostitutes, tax collectors who are the lowest on the social ladder, poor people, not the movers and shakers, not the wealthy, not the politicians, so kind of a little ragtag group of people that he's speaking to. And he says, you know what, you guys? And he looks at them in the eyes and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The whole thing, cosmos is the word, the whole shooting match. Salt of the earth, light of the world. I think these people thought, who in the heck is Jesus talking to? (laughs) You can't mean this. Because he's saying some things, and they know what he's saying, because they know these two metaphors. They know what salt does, and they know what light does. Salt was one of the most important commodities in the Middle East. It was used as a preservative before refrigeration. It was used for healing. It was used to prevent decay. Very important. Here's another thing that salt does that I love as it pertains to this. Salt, you know, when you put salt on meat, I always just thought it made the meat salty. (laughs) Dumb me. No, it brings out the best flavor in the meat. The best flavor. So it brings out the best. And Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. The the thing out there, that's what you're to do, is to prevent decay, to bring healing. 
to bring out the best in the community around you. You know, the, the community, Piedmont and our surrounding communities, we should be better because of what PCC does and who PCC is. So that means, you know, we got to ask our questions. If somehow God removed us, <laughs> would anybody notice? Are we bringing the best out in our community, the area around us? Second thing that Jesus says is you are the light of the world. They knew this for sure. These are Jews. They know their Old Testament. Light definitely is a metaphor in the Old Testament. It's a symbol of who God is. Where, there's, where there is light, there is the presence of God. There is grace. There's mercy. There's love. There's hope. There's goodness. Winsomeness. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Where you are should be the presence of God. Not condemnation, as we so often hear from the church, but love, and service, and hope, and healing. Interesting, these two metaphors, Jesus is saying, you know what, you're not the salt of the earth to each other, or you're not salt to each other, although we are. He's saying, you're salt out there for the whole thing. You're not light just to each other. You're light for the whole world. So if there's going to be goodness and, and if the f- best flavor is going to be brought out, if there's going to be mercy and grace and love, you're going to do it. Not just to each other. In fact, this is, answers a very important question I think every church has to answer. And that is, who are we here for? Are we here just for ourselves? Or are we here for the people out there? The hurting world? Jesus answers the question very clearly. You're here for the people out there to serve, to love, to bring light. Wow, do you see how that's a big shift? That seems really simple, and it is. But boy, when a church makes that shift and see this is why I think churches are dying is we forgot our mission we forgot our purpose we forgot our identity 30 years ago I was at a a church conference a conference for church leaders and Peter Drecker remember him the management guru one of the the biggest probably (laughs) that ever lived he was a Christian and he spoke and he said, you know, i got to tell you, the church is dying. And he saw it even 30 years ago. Denominations are dying. The church is dying because they have forgotten who they are and why they're here. They have forgotten their purpose and their mission. And they've become very inward looking. You can't forget your, your mission, he said. Organizations die he said, if they forget their mission and who they're about, what they're about. Any organization that forgets its mission dies. Jesus wants us to remember our mission, salt and light, 
Salt and light. <laughs> Salt and light. So that's the first thing. Also, I, I read this passage for years and never saw this, but Jesus gives us a really good warning here, too. He says, you know, if you don't live out your identity and your mission, you become what? Irrelevant. You know, nobody lights. When Jesus was talking about lighting a lamp in, the, in that time, houses were one-room houses. The animals slept at one end, people at the other, and they'd put a lamp in the middle and it would give light. Oil lamp. And Jesus is saying, you know, you don't light a lamp and then put a bowl on top of it. That's stupid. That's irrelevant. <laughs> or if the salt loses its saltiness, if it's not being salty then what? It's no longer good for anything except to be trampled on by humans. Right? You'll become irrelevant. And that's what's happened so much to churches today. People don't even think about us. (laughs) We've become irrelevant. We forgot who we are and why we are here. Second thing that I think we must remember if we're to become a thriving church we must be willing to change. It's part of my doctorate, my research. I read a study by a man who studied thousands of churches all over the world, and he said, you know what is the worst thing that a church can do? The thing that hurts it the most? The seven great words or last words of the church. What are they? We've never done it that way before. Isn't that interesting? He said that kills churches. And some churches have been doing things the same way for 40, 50, 60 years. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles and I grew up as a Lakers fan. Forgive me, it's a character flaw. I still am a Lakers fan, but I am rooting for the Warriors, and what a great game Friday night, huh? Uh, Steph Curry was Kobe-esque Friday night. You can boo. You can boo, even. Oh, he just willed. He just put them on their back, his back, right? It was amazing, amazing performance. But, you know, I, I'll date myself here. I went to the sports arena to watch the Lakers play. That was before the fabulous forum which was before the Staples Center, which is now Crip.com Center. <laughs> I remember going to those games, and wow, it was a different, it, it was really different. No big sound system. You know, they'd introduce the players. And now, playing forward, number 22, Elgin Baylor. <laughs> that would be it, Right? No, not a lot of noise, no cheerleaders, no big screens, not a, a, you know, multi-million sound system. You could hear the sneakers on the floor. It was pure. (laughs) The players, here's how it, players were 80% white, 20% black. No female referees, no female uh, assistant coaches, 
The crowd is pretty white, as I remember. The food selections, <laughs> popcorn, hot dogs, maybe a hamburger, Coke. That was about it. Not even nachos back then <laughs> with that chemical cheese. That's just sad. A year ago, I had an opportunity. I was fortunate enough. I have a friend who has a suite at the Chase Center. Wow. Talk about a different experience. It was like walking into a new world. You know, that screen is bigger than our church, I think. It's just huge, and it goes all the way around. I mean, you're, you're kind of drawn to the screen more than you are to the game. And the sound system, oh, you don't just hear it, what? You feel it. And it's going all the time. And there are cheerleaders, female cheerleaders, male cheerleaders now, and female referees. And the players, 80% black, 20% white, thereabouts. And the white players who are playing are mostly European. Did you know that? Female assistant coaches. And the food selection. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anything you want. Right? And way more expensive, by the way. But a totally different experience. You see how it's changed in that time? And I sat there and I thought, wow, you know, the church, a lot of churches are like the sports arena still. The media guy and everything was hammered out on a typewriter. Now it's this beautiful, you know, beautiful multicolored things. I remember the sports guy, it was eight and a half by 11 black and whites of the players. The church hasn't changed, and we got to change. You know, I, I've heard myself saying this a lot recently. Somebody will say something, and I'll say, well, you know what? It's a new day at PCC. <laughs> it's a new day. Yeah, but, you know, we've never done it that way. But, well, it's a new day at PCC. And if I really want to emphasize, I'll say, it's a new day, baby. It's a new day. Yeah, but we've never had financial accountability like this. We've never had to buy. Well, it's a new day. You know what? I've never had an evaluation, personnel evaluation, that was so thorough before. Well, it's a new day. Steve, you know, we tried that years ago, and it didn't work. Well, it's a new day at PCC. You see what I'm saying? It's a new day. And there's a lot of change going on. You may not see it yet, but I can tell you, and Pat will talk about this. We've, we've, uh, we're partners in crime here today. She'll talk about this. That we have all sorts of things going on. And you know what? It's all change. We have four task forces set up for this year to totally reimagine and to think about you know, how we communicate, how we get the word out there about, about our church, out there. What about our, our ministries to children and youth and families? This is a different time. Wow, we have to reimagine how we do that. 
adult spiritual formation. How do we help people connect with God? How do we help people grow in their faith to experience the transforming, healing power of Christ in their lives? And then finally, how do we do mission in a world that has changed so much? How do we do that? All four of those things, wow, those are going to bring big changes to our church. They're going to make recommendations, and we're not just going to sit on them. We're going to try to do them. And it's going to bring change. It's a new day. (laughs) It's a new day. So get ready. And here's the thing about all four of those things, and those will just be the first. I mean, actually, you know what? We're going to look at every part of this church. (laughs) Internally, policies, personnel, operations, program, you know, everything, everything is going to be looked at. And everything will have some change to it as we rebuild. It's the way it's going to be. we got to do it. It's safer, it's more comfortable to stay as we are. Well, all those changes, you know what? They're going to be through the lens of the first thing that I talked about. It's going to be through the lens of not just how do we serve the people who are already here, us, but how do we serve the people out there? How do we do children's and youth ministries that have an outward-looking focus or missions or communication? Everything's going through that lens. You may not see it right now. And a lot of what we're doing right now is what I call basement work. We're down in the basement. (laughs) People don't see what's going on because we're down in the basement, but things are changing. And soon you will see the effects of it. Now, this is kind of daunting to, to really be truthful. There are days... You know, the one more thing that we're going to change <laughs> is how we use our funds. You know, we think we have a, an opportunity here, seize the day, to make some changes, to invest in our church. When I got here, I heard a lot of people saying, we must cut because our budget's going down. And I say, oh, no. Cutting now is not what we need to do. We need to invest. Some of you are business people. You know you got to invest in your business once in a while. Not that the church is a business, but in some ways it is. And we have to use some of those funds that we've been saving for a rainy day. It's a rainy day right now. And so we got to use some of those things and take some risks and move out. Now, there are days when I think, wow, can this, can this really happen? This is a lot of work. It's a tough time. And I have moments of doubt, like, can we do it? And I'm pretty optimistic, (laughs) very optimistic. And I think we can. But it's not just going to be me. (laughs) It's going to be you. And fortunately, people are stepping up like crazy. And I appreciate that. And ultimately, it's going to be God who builds God's church. So we got to pray for that. But it's going to be an exciting few years ahead. So hold on. Are you with me?
Yes, all right. <laughs> Let's pray. God, we pray that you would guide us, that you would empower us, that you would build your church. Lord, I, I still believe that when the church is being the church, the salt and the light, there, there aren't many better things. And the church is bringing healing and grace and hope and mercy and help, helping people answer the big questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What's life's purpose? How do I find community? How can my life make a difference? Lord, we know that your gospel answers all those questions. So I believe that the world is still thirsty. May we find the water to give them. And may you inject this church with new life. And may it be a new day. We pray these things with strong confidence. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.